suspicious or out of place. So in we walked, an entire U.S. Army foot patrol, 10 soldiers, an Iraqi interpreter and a liaison officer trailed by an American network TV crew, a cameraman, a sound man, and me, a reporter. We walked straight into what's called the kill zone of the ambush. The killers probably could not believe their luck. Closest to the bomb were my friends and colleagues, CBS cameraman Paul Douglas and freelance soundman James Brolin, just 10 to 12 feet away from the wired car. Next to them was the U.S. Army officer we were following, the 4th Infantry Division's Captain James Alex Funkhauser and his Iraqi translator Sam. All four were killed, three just about instantly. With the same stubborn will he'd fought throughout his life, Paul tried to stave off his death until he lost too much blood. A soldier who had run to help stayed with Paul to the end. I only found this out later. The soldier who treated me at the site kept telling me, Your guys are fine. The blast also killed an Iraqi man who was standing at the wrong tea stand on the wrong corner when we walked into the ambush. The explosion injured six other soldiers, leaving two of them and me with a year-long battle to heal our shattered bodies. Back in the United States, the attack made headlines. Normally, a car bomb that kills one U.S. soldier and wounds six more is a sad footnote to a newscast if it makes the cut at all. But add in a network TV crew with a female reporter on a slow news day, as U.S. holidays generally are, and you've got wall-to-wall -wall coverage. Maybe the attention came because no network had yet lost so many employees in a single incident. And perhaps it was because, for most of the day, I had only a 50-50 chance of surviving. There was suspense. It was probably also because I'm a woman. Although women journalists and women soldiers have been in and on the battlefield for at least a couple decades, the public hasn't caught up with us yet. CBS put together a TV special called Flashpoint to tell the story of that day, how one bomb blasted through the lives of so many, including Paul's and James's families, Captain Funkhauser's wife Jennifer, and his two young daughters, Caitlin and Allison and the six soldiers who were wounded. For U.S. troops, this event was sadly routine. As one commander later told me, just another day in Baghdad. This is the rest of my story. Helped by family, friends, loved ones, doctors, nurses, and corpsmen of unsurpassed skills, and I now realize my own will to live, I came back from near death. It meant facing the horror of two lost colleagues I considered friends and a year-long fight to learn to walk and live on my own again. The bomb changed me, reinforcing some parts and burning away others. In many ways, this book is my attempt to put that transformation into words. One thing I know I'm not, a victim. That's what anyone is called when he or she suffers major trauma, assault victim, car crash victim, Baghdad car bomb victim. But victims have no independence. Family, friends, and colleagues, all with goodwill, coddle you. They tend to you when you first need it, but they don't know how or when to let you out of your cotton-cushioned cocoon. It's almost as hard to prove you're not a victim as it is to recover. You have to teach those around you that when the victim overcomes the trauma, learning from it, changing from it, and moving beyond it, she becomes a survivor physically, mentally, and spiritually. I survived. This is a survivor's tale. Chapter 1. Just Before Night before Memorial Day, May 29, 
2006. I hate these nights. Stare at the ceiling, turn left, turn right. Can't sleep. Dread tomorrow's assignment, as usual. In the morning, adrenaline will pull me through, as it always does. Tonight, worry is getting the better of me, as it always does. The aircon is noisy, and the thick hotel drapes of cheesy pseudo-velvet block out the spotlights on the catty-corner mosque nearby and the lights from across the river. The drapes are meant to catch any flying glass should a rocket hit the side of the building. But that's only ever happened once, so in my mind, that's not the problem. The problem is the next day's patrol. I'm safe here. I've transformed the 12 by 15 foot room into a cocoon fortress, a yoga sanctuary in this half-star hotel floor turned network bureau. I live here about two-thirds of the year. Over three years, my personal possessions have migrated to join.